Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Last year we began working on some scripture memory. We did not get through the whole passage found in 2 Peter chapter 1. So I want to remind ourselves of the, vo- of the verses that we have uh, memorized and put in our hearts. And uh, then uh, next month we'll go right ahead and, uh, and finish the, the passage together. So the verses that we have memorized so, so far are 3, 4, 5, and 6, 7, and 8, and 9, and 10. I, I'm seeing back there the first 10. We'll get them. We'll get them. All right. Let's remind ourselves of, of these verses. Here they are up here on the screen. Let's read them together, and we'll, we'll just go from one to the other, okay? All right, here we go. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly kindness, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. All right, there we go, through verse 9. All right, 3 through 9. So we're going to review these verses this month. And then we're going to get 10 and 11 next month and try to pull this all together as we share. First and second Peter were written to help us know how to practically live out our lives as Christians. First Peter talks about some struggles. And as you read that epistle, you understand that struggles, the struggles of the believer are just part of living. Suffering is part of what we go through, but there is security. And I am so thankful that we can be secure in the knowledge that nothing will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? And that is our security that he has established us, that he will strengthen us, and that one day he will promote us to glory. Second Peter tells us about the satisfaction of God's grace. And we are sanctified because of his grace and we are to stir up that grace as we wait for his coming. And that is all part of the growth process as we recognize what God wants to accomplish in our lives. Now, I don't plan to get through the message this morning, but I want to give you the whole outline, those of you who are, who are taking notes. Next week, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 5, and we are going to look at discernment in a culturally correct culture. Chris, I don't know what I'm doing here. I, you don't know what I'm doing either. All right, we'll move this a bit and see what happens. I'm sorry? Yeah, I must have a really good sermon today, Chris says. We'll see. Next week will be Hebrews chapter 5, discernment in a culturally correct culture. 
and then we will finish this message in two weeks. But let me, let me give you the outline, will you please? We're going to look at growth, and it begins from gaining the right perspective. You and I need to be able to see things from God's point of view. Here in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, A thousand days with the Lord is as a year, and and a year is a thousand, or a thousand years with the Lord is as a day, and a day is a thousand years. And God has a different perspective than you and I have. And we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to understand that we have to realize our own need if we are going to grow. You can't grow for me, and I cannot grow for you. And each one of us has to understand where we are spiritually if we're going to take those next spiritual steps. We need to go on the offensive. We need to take the initiative. It is up to you, it is up to me to become the kind of people that God wants us to become. And we're going to talk about how to win that battle. How we can make sure that we are progressing and becoming the kind of people that God wants us to to be what are your goals of growth what do you want to see accomplished where would you like to be this time in 2017 I know that's a long way away but you want to be where you are or do you want to make some progress and then we're going to talk about growth being for his honor and for his glory my kids went to a white elephant gift exchange and this is the gift that they came home with I don't know if you can see this in the back this is a Chia Willie you know Duck Dynasty uh huh yeah Robertson Willie Robertson alright now I'm looking at this thing and it says easy to do fun to grow contains Willie Robertson Pottery Planter. How about that, huh? Chia seeds. Enough for three plantings. And a drip tray. When I was visiting with them, I said, can I have that? I'll pay you for it. They said, no, let us give it to you as our gift. The reason I wanted it is because of our theme this year, our theme of growth. Easy to do, fun to grow. Well, i got to tell you, being a Christian is not an easy thing to do. But I can tell you it sure is fun to see God working in our lives and to see him developing the character of his son from our lives and to become what he wants us to be. There is nothing better in the Christian life. There is nothing better in the world. There is nothing better than being challenged and changed and conformed to the character of God. Now, as you can see, I've not opened it yet. We're going to do that together. But can I just challenge you right here? Chia Willie is not going to grow until we open him up and we soak him in water and we put on the seeds. None of us are going to grow until we understand God planting in our lives 
the seed of his word to bring forth fruit from our lives. Staying in the package, sitting in the pew, in and of itself does not give us growth. We'll talk about that a little bit later. All right, let's talk about growth this morning. First Peter, Second Peter, Second Peter chapter 3. Let me read for you verse 14, and then I'm going to jump down and read for you 17 and 18. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Verse 17. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Our passage begins with this. Therefore, beloved. This is the third time out of four that Peter will talk about beloved. Those who are children of God those who have a relationship with God, those who are loved by God. This is a candid appeal saying, because God loves you, he has something very special for you. God is not this Grinch that all of a sudden tries to figure out what we don't want to do and wants to make us do it. God is a loving Heavenly Father who knows what our needs of are before we ask, and God wants to meet those needs. God wants to invest in our lives. God wants to help us become children that are reflective of His Son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, beloved, never forget that you are beloved by God, that you are specially chosen by God, and as you have received Jesus Christ as personal Savior, you're part of the family of God. Now, that's the only way you get to be part of the family. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and those who have received Jesus Christ as personal Savior are part of the family of God. Amen? Therefore, as many as receive Christ, John 1, 12, to them are given the privilege to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. Have you done that today? Has there been a special time, a time that you can point to in your life when you have received Jesus Christ as personal Savior? If not, please talk to me. Because there'd be no way better to start this new year than to start it as part of the family of God. Amen? Isn't it great to be part of the family? This morning we're going to celebrate some folks who became part of the family of Calvary Baptist Church last year. That's great. But if you are not a child of God, if you have never received Jesus Christ as personal Savior, if you've not been born again into the family of God, if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, yeah, huh? if that's not part of your life, Let's talk about it today, all right? And let's share. Therefore, beloved. And notice the next word. Therefore, since. Something has taken place in these believers' lives. 
They were looking for the promise. The day of the Lord was going to come as a thief in the night. In light of that, how should they live? Look with me at verse 14. Therefore, since you are waiting for these. Now, what are the these that are mentioned here? Jump back to verse 4, will you please? Chapter 3. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from before creation. Jump down with me to verse 10, will you please? But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away, and with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Keep going. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these things, you know, Jesus is coming back, and it may be today, and you and I are waiting on these things. Now, I have behind me in front of you an eschatological chart. Boy, that's a fancy word, isn't it? Eschatological. has to do with future events. If you would like a copy of this chart and the Scripture passages that go with it, email the church office and we'd be happy to send it to you, all right? So let's look at God's plan. And let's find out where these folks were in God's plan. God's plan today is grace. And you and I are living in the age of grace. For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, Titus 2.11. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God's grace, God giving to you, to me, what we do not deserve. Amen? And let me tell you something, grace changes everything, because not only does God give us grace in salvation, God gives us grace in sanctification as we grow in Him. And grace changes everything in your life and my life. I trust that every day you will understand something else about God's grace. The next event on the calendar is the rapture of the church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about the rapture of the church. For the dead in Christ will rise, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen? Now, when will that take place? Nobody knows. But could it take place today? Yeah. We believe in what we call the imminent return of Christ. You could call that the any moment return of Christ. And there's going to be shout of the archangels. There's going to be trump of God, the dead in Christ, and then we which are alive. I sure hope I get to go by the upper taker, not the undertaker. Huh? Nothing against Farley's. But the next event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. Now, with the rapture of the church, that means all the saints go to heaven. And there are two events that will take place in heaven. First is the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible says that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That we may receive in our bodies the things done, our works, 
they will be judged so as by fire. Do you remember the parable of the talents? Do you remember the master left and he gave five to one and two to another and one to one? Then what happened? He came back and he wanted an accounting of what they'd done with it. That's what this is going to be. This is going to be an accounting of how we live our lives for the glory of God. And you and I, each one of us, will have to stand before God and give an account. Now, I don't know how that's going to work. I do not believe that there's going to be some grand screen in heaven that is going to show everybody all of the things that we have done. And how much we wasted. I don't believe that. That'd almost be pornographic in heaven, wouldn't it? But what I do believe is that you and I will stand before the one who died for us. And we will at that moment recognize his love for us. And we will have to give an account of our love to him. So that's going to take place in heaven. The other event that's going to take place in heaven is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation talks about this, where the bride of Christ, the saints, are united with Christ, the groom, and it's going to be a great celebration. And we are going to have the opportunity of sharing together the wonder of the one who gave himself for us. Now, while all that is taking place in heaven, there is a seven-year period of time on earth, a judgment. It's called the tribulation period. Now you say, well, how is the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb all going to take place within seven years with all these people? I don't know. But I do know this. A day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. And if God's got it planned out, it's going to work. But as you read Revelation 6, 7, 8, 9, you have the bold judgments. You have the vile judgments. You have the trumpet judgments that are going to be poured out. That's during this seven-year tribulation period where God judges the earth. That's where the Antichrist comes in. That's where the false prophet comes in. That's where the mark of the beast comes in. You don't want to be around during that part. And if you know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, you won't be. After the seven-year tribulation period, there will be the second coming of Jesus Christ. Where he will come to rule and to reign on this earth. And he will reign for a thousand years. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Now, don't get mixed up between the rapture and the second coming. The rapture is not the second coming. Because we meet the Lord in the air. The second coming is when he comes and puts his feet on planet earth and sets up his throne. And that is after the seven-year tribulation period. The nations will be judged. And then there will be a thousand-year reign that's called the millennial reign of Christ. A reign of great prosperity. A reign of great wonder. Because Jesus Christ is in control. That will be a hallelujah time. And I'm looking forward to that. At the end of the millennial reign of Christ, there will be a judgment, great white throne judgment, when people, small and great, will stand before God and the books will be open and the scripture says that those not written in the Lamb's book of life are cast into the lake of fire. Now, I anticipate 
this is Townsend theology, that there may well be some saved people at the great white throne judgment. It is not just for unsaved people because I believe there will be people saved during the millennial kingdom and they will be judged at the great white throne judgment. And following that will be the new heaven and the new earth. Now here in 2 Peter chapter 3, there's a period of time that is referenced and it's called the day of the Lord. We read it in verse 10. The day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. Theologians are a bit split on what the day of the Lord means, but I believe it starts at the rapture and continues through the millennial reign of Christ. So, therefore, since you're waiting for the next event, the rapture of the church, the day of the Lord that's going to come like a thief in the night, therefore, since you have a responsibility, always remembering that you are beloved within the family of God. In the 18th century, there was an English preacher by the name of John Fletcher. And John liked to make the teaching of the Scripture as practical as he could, so he drew up lists so people could examine their lives on a daily basis. This was one of his lists. Did I awake spiritually minded? Did I keep my mind from wandering? Have I gotten nearer God this day in times of prayer, or have I given way to a lazy, idle spirit? Has my faith been weakened or strengthened this day? Have I this day walked by faith? Have I denied myself in all unkind words and thoughts? Have I made the most of my precious time as far as I was able to? Have I kept my heart pure? What have I done for God's people? Have I spent money on myself when I might have used it for the cause of God? Have I governed well my tongue this day? In how many instances have I denied myself? Deny yourself, take up your cross. Do my life and conversations. Adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, it's all about a different perspective, isn't it? It's not how you and I match up to the person sitting next to us or the person across the street from us. It's what is our perspective. And you and I, as we go into 2016, need to have the perspective that Jesus is coming again. And it may be this year. Tuesday mornings, a number of us meet at the Pancake House and have a time of prayer. And by the way, we pray through the prayer cards that many of you write out and put in the little box on the Welcome Center. It is not unusual for us to receive a card from a dear lady who lists prayer for her husband and her son who are unsaved. I don't know how long we have been praying for these individuals. But it's been a long time. We're still praying. Tuesday morning as we gathered, I prayed this way. 
that these two individuals would come to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior in 2016. Now, I have a bit of a responsibility in that prayer. I need to make sure I go and plant some seed in these people's lives. I can do that. I need to go and make sure that I befriend and share with these folks so that they see God's love through me. I need to make sure that not only am I praying for these individuals, and I have been and I am, that I'm allowing God to use me as an instrument that may well touch their hearts. And I've done it before, and I'm going to do it again. Why? Because maybe in 2016, Jesus is going to come back, and they won't have any more opportunity to trust Christ as personal Savior. And then they'll end up at that great white throne judgment, and their name will not be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and they'll be cast in the lake of fire. I don't want that. I want to share with them. As you and I move into this new year, may we look at this year from God's perspective. You say, well, what's that? Let me share just a couple of things with you. Number one, Jesus may come today. Amen? Number two, there's no temptation taking us, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able, but with the temptation also make a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. Amen? And I know that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And Jesus said, a bookend here. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house are many dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You remember when Jesus was taking up before them in Acts chapter 1? Remember what the angel said? This same Jesus that you've seen taken to heaven, he's going to come back. At the end of the book of Revelation, Revelation 23, Jesus said this, Behold, I come quickly. And then the writer writes, Even so come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, truth for our lives, and the opportunity we have just to get a brief glimpse of it this morning. Help us, Lord, to be able to take these truths and apply them to our hearts that we might be the kind of people that you want us to be for your honor and for your glory. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much for your love for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Next week, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Read those this week. Be prepared as we share together.